no sane person would plan a large event during COVID. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> and so it, it's, it's, it was just unbelievable. It's like, considering all the things that happened, lightning came down on Friday and it, like, like it, it was lightning Friday, lightning Saturday, rain on Monday. The event yeah. was Sunday. We shut down. So now the delay, the setting up the event is delayed, right? Mm-hmm. The LED walls weren't working. The, nothing was working. The, the amp rack, the rain took out one of the amp racks. You know, this is like, these are major, major yeah, problems. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, Again, we just kind of just roll with it. And at a certain point, I told my production guy, he was, he was texting me. He's like, I'm done. I'm like, this guy worked with the guy for 20 years. He's like, I'm done. I'm like, what do you mean you're done? He's like, I can't do this, man. This is oh, too man. crazy. I'm like, there's so much problems. I'm like, this event was the most stressful that I ever had, ever, uh, in 20 years. We together again. Together again, yeah. So, I mean. I think we're just going to start. Welcome back to Two Fries Podcast, where we document the rise and start of Winnipeg's talent and personalities. We may even be the number one podcast in Winnipeg, but we're we're getting there. We will we, be there. <laughs> we will be there. We got yeah. a special guest for today, Archdim. Why don't you introduce him? Well, let's bring on our guest for today. He's been uh, part of organizing together again Winnipeg. He's also the marketing director for Summer of Sound and an expert in his field. Please welcome Stephen Hua. Let's go. <laughs> the, man, the man himself. <laughs> the man himself is sitting right there. Steven, you're you're a fascinating individual we were doing some research before okay and we realized you've been in this game as far as like event coordination for a while yeah give us some background on like how you got started and who you are so the people know uh some background we're doing this for about 21 years now first event i did was september 30th 2000 wow that was when i was born man <laughs> yeah my very first event <laughs> almost so a year yeah, or yeah or 20, 20 20 yeah almost 20 we were supposed to do 20 year anniversary last year was covid and okay this will be 21 Damn. <coughs> But uh, that that was a rave in Morris, Manitoba. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, two thousand people is awesome. You know, I was just the beginning of like just doing it for fun, right? I mean, yeah. doing this for a long time, but mm-hmm. it's never been about really making money. It's about just kind of just making things happen for the city. Yeah. Well, how did you, like we talk about you started in twenty years ago now, but like what was that initial start like for you? You know, like just starting up, two thousand people now you probably got like more than like no 20. back back then. I uh, the funny story with that was. Um, I just love going to raves. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? I said, and my friends were like, well, we love raves. Let's go. Let's go. I'm like, we should plan one. And, yeah. just, and I was like, okay, we'll plan like a 500 person one. And my girlfriend at the time, she's like, no, no, you, you know, way more people than that. You like bigger rave, <laughs> you yeah. a bigger one. I'm sure. It ended up being the biggest rave ever held in Manitoba. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so, but I mean, it was good timing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take the credit for doing it. It was just kind of like the, the ballsy move of taking a chance to throw something that big, but yeah. it was at the time it was getting really popular. And 20 years later, still throwing <laughs> parties, you know what I mean? I never would have thought. How old were you when you when you first I was it? 20. You were 20. Yeah. So our age. Like yeah, we're yeah 20 exactly. Right now. 100%. Yeah. yeah That's 20. amazing. 20 years yeah. old. Did you have, like, a plan going in? Like no, you? no. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> no. no idea. Oh, yeah. I was totally blind to what was happening. I had a mentor at the time, and he was – I didn't realize how blind he was. But, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he, he, he did teach me a few things for sure. But I think we're both new to it, right? We're just taking a chance, and you figure you're just – you know enough people, you try it out and see mm-hmm. people will come out, right? Did you ever think it was going to be like your initial thoughts of having like a rave would be like someone's backyard, you know, like they sent up in park or something like that? Or like was it you knew, oh, we had to get a venue? Like we had Yeah, to no, we had the venue everything. back then. There was a lot of rules. You couldn't, uh, you couldn't dance after two in the morning <laughs> in the city. There that was, was a there rule? Was a, there was a rule okay. about this, yeah. So then all my first parties, we I just drove around the perimeter of the city and checked out all the hockey rinks and community yeah. centers so we did parties in lorette like hockey rink we did yeah. a party in morris community center we did a party in all over it was just it was difficult it was wild times actually <laughs> so talk about like the initial thing because you're 20 years old and did you you didn't know much about like 
event coordination, I'm sure. No, so no. then who your your mentor helped you a little bit, but did you get any other extra guidance or I mean or was it over time <coughs> just learn how to do it? You just learn over time, I think, after after doing it a few times. The first time just kinda like, okay, well what, how does this work? You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It's like just okay, well you gotta book the DJs, you gotta book the, the sound, the lights and the, the basics, right? You don't realize later on like the details of somehow important is that someone runs the door. Yeah. It's where the money is, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't learn that until probably like five, six, seven years later. You know what right. I mean? You don't think about that. Like, oh, wow, wait a minute. I do all this work, but I don't <laughs> wash the door where the money is. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's details like that and taking care of the guests and logistics and stuff that you don't think about when you're younger. I don't think, you know, in the beginning, it's, just, it's about throwing a party, right? So yeah. mm -hmm. um, now we look at all the details, you know, like together again in some of our these events, we look at every single detail possible. So it's, it's, it's a different game now for sure because we take it more serious as you get older, I think. But um, we, learn a, we learn a ton. Every event you learn, every single event, no matter what <laughs> you go into, you think you know something, life teaches you, smacks you in the back of the head and teaches you a lesson. I, I mean, I'm sure you, you have great stories of smacking back yeah, in the head. Yeah, too many. But like, honestly, starting at 20 years old, right, um, you're throwing your first party, you got mentors, you got everything. But why, like, I know you said just because you liked raves, you liked the atmosphere of going to the raves, but like, why specifically like music festivals and raves? Like, what got you peeking just in love the music. You yeah. know, I mean, I'll be honest with you, that's kind of, again, dating myself even older, you know, back in my day, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there was no EDM on the radio, you know, yeah. there was no, like, David Guetta, Tiestos back then, it was just, you just love the music, so you mm -hmm. want to promote it. How do you, you know, back then I would get a CD or download an MP3 and be like, oh, you guys got to hear this, you got to hear this. Yeah. You're excited about sharing this passion of this music, right? Uh -huh. Which no one really heard of. And then eventually at that, that time, Sandstorm just came out and Blue just came out, I feel 65, so these songs came on the radio, this is a big deal, right? So, but now, it's, it's, it's you know, fast forward 20 years later, it's, it's, a, it's a completely different, you know, scenario with, with in life with music, right? So yeah. this is like as mainstream as it gets. Yeah. But back then it wasn't like that. So it was more about just sharing the music and kind of being excited for that. And then now it's just, now it's more, the, the back then it was about sharing the music, now it's literally about bringing people together. So now it's a very different, like, mission of what we're trying to do, for sure. Like, the mindset's very different. Because the music now, it's there. I mean, so now what's the next move, right? You want you want people to get together. You want people to have a good time. That's 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 the motivation now for sure. And so, when did you realize? So you're just out of high school, I assume, twenty years old. Yeah, I just dropped out of university. <laughs> dropped, and yeah. so, when did you realize like this is what I want to do for the rest of my life? I've never realized that. Never. Till to this day, it's oh, not. It's, I just do it. You just do it for. I fun? I just do it for fun. Yeah, I mean, and you just I, love. You know, 2007 is when I took it somewhat serious. Is the first year we did Tiesto, first time he came here at the convention center. So okay. this is uh, August 23rd, 2007, I believe. But um, at that time, this is the first time I got Heineken approaching me, Red Bull. You know, okay. these are Brands. my first sponsors. You know, so yeah. now, wow, we're at the convention center. You know, we're no longer in a hockey rink in Lorette. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of cool, right? Yeah. So at that time, you're like, maybe this could be a thing, you know? But again, it, it, I tried it for a few years to see if I could do it for a living. There's no, there's no stability. There's no, I mean, it's very hard to find a, a promoter that does it full time to, yeah. to feed his family. It's very difficult. So there's no stability. There's just so much risk involved too, right? So how do you go into an event and all of a sudden you lose 50 grand and then, you know, yeah. how does that work, right? So I learned again, by 2010, 2011, you have to have a, somewhat of a day job, right? This is definitely a passion project that has continued on for a long time, but it, um, can you make a living from it? It's possible, but I think we're all kind of create, we're all, Promoters are not normal. We're all screwed, wired a little bit weird. So, I mean, I think you, you can't do it full time as a living, but you can do it because you, you love it, right? You know, like convincing your parents, like, hey, man, I'm dropping out of university at 20 years old. Yeah. Like, you know, like they, back then, they have the, you have the set path. You have like, oh, I'm going to go to university, like get this degree, and this is going to be the rest of my life. What was that process like for you explaining like, hey, I, 
maybe university is not my vibe. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they definitely knew it wasn't my vibe. I mean, they, I mean, I've, I've never, I've done pretty fairly well in school, but just I'm all over the place, ADHD, and just kind of like just, you know, just trying to find what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, in 2007, I was doing raves now for seven years, right? So I was ready to quit. Funny enough, that same year, I was like, you know what? I've never got really an office job. Where like, I'm going to go to a future shop. This is like before Best Buy. Like, yeah, I'm going yeah. to sell computers. You know what I mean? Like, I know enough people. Let's just get a day job. I'm going to get a resume written. And then TSO fell on my lap. I'm like, you know what? Okay, fine, we'll try this. And from there, promoting became a somewhat stable income stream. Like, you know, somewhat, you know, without the high risk events. You yeah. know what I mean? This, there, there is... You know, marketing is always, there's always demand for marketing. I mean, that's the thing right now. Promoters that have jobs now doing for different companies, right? But doing events is not a, yeah, it's just, again, it's been a wild ride. (laughs) A lot of people see the final result, right? Yeah. They see. We talk about this all the time. Yeah. At the event. (laughs) Yeah. They see the videos of Snapchat or Instagram, people going nuts. But I don't think people realize how much time and work goes into actually planning And how far ahead are you guys planning these events, and what is the process? We of plan Summer of Sound the week after it finishes. Okay. Right. So I mean, I'm sure some people in the bigger cities they plan the events two years ahead. Right. You know I mean, like you you have to. Yeah. You know I mean, because if you know what's going to be happening, you have to prepare yourself for it. Right. So my calendar's got check boxes on in which dates. Hey, Halloween falls on a Sunday this year. We know this already. But hey, you know, hey, look in 2023. You know, that's uh, June 30th is going to be on a Monday or whatever. We, we look yeah. at these things, you know what I mean? Because if, yeah. if you're doing this consistently, you have to, pr- you have to plan, right? So, um, yeah, we're, th- people don't, people will never fully understand what goes behind it. And that's kind of the fun of it. You know what I mean? Why do, you, why, why do I want them to stress about what I'm stressing <laughs> about? You know what I mean? Coming up a good time. That's my job, right? Yeah. At the same time, I wish everyone would plan at least one event yeah. in their life. You know what I mean? Whether it's their, I think once they plan their wedding social or their wedding, they get a small taste of like what it's like, you know, a lot of my friends like, Oh my God, this is crazy. This wedding (laughs) social. I'm like, your people are paying to come hang out with you for a wedding social. You know, there's no real risk involved. Right. But your friends are planning you to support them. And it's so stressful. Mm -hmm. So stressful, you know, take that to the phone to to a different level, put a couple hundred thousand dollars down and have no guarantee of (laughs) anyone coming. You know what I mean? And weather and all these other things, you know, the permits and, 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 Dealing with artists, there's a, there's a million factors that cause a lot of stress here. So, but I mean, one day I'll probably go dig deeper into like what goes behind this. Like this event was the most stressful event I ever had ever uh, in 20 years. The together again, together event? again. Yeah. So, I mean, do I want everyone to kind of feel that? No, no yeah. by any means. That's not something I want some people to go through. Would I love people to kind of appreciate that more? Of course. You know, what I mean, like with anyone putting together something, you want appreciation, right? Yeah. I mean, like. I'm a part of the uh, socials uh, committee at my university for engineering, and I've gotten the chance to plan some social events. And like, just the stress of that, I have nothing compared to what you guys have have on a daily basis, right? I mean, like, how do you cope with that? You know, like, last minute you could have artists canceled on you. You have a lot of liabilities that are in your hand. Like, you basically people's lives in your hand. Yeah. Make sure they're they're safe. Yeah. How do you deal with that pressure? Honestly, like uh, the pressure is what I'm just used to. You know, and I never want to take away from someone's your stress of dealing your event versus mine, sure. I may stress less. You know what I mean? You, you never know. Everyone handles pressure differently. Every situation is different, right? I've, be, I've, be, I've done, I would say, almost, I'd say a thousand events, you know what I mean? Whether they've been small or big. Yeah. But so I don't really worry about every little one. You know what I mean? Sometimes people see me now, like an artist is like, you fast forward the first time around the sound, someone's late and like, oh my God, like this, we're missing this off his rider. We got to get this, the freaking chopped bananas and the strawberries <laughs> and we're going to go crazy. Now I'm like, the strawberries. He'll be at the Blueberries, move on. Move on. Don't worry about it. You know what I mean? And and that's a, that comes with experience. And 
again, sometimes they, they really, really want those freaking blueberries. You know what I mean? You got to deal yeah. with it, right? So you never know. I had one artist that was like adamant about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. They were <laughs> losing it. So I'm like literally leaving my event to go to like the 7-Eleven to buy this stuff and make this stuff for this guy, right? So it happens. You know? But I mean, every event's different. It's just, it's just literally a, a new experience every single time. I, I heard of you through summer, uh, no, the recent event, Together Again, yeah. Winnipeg. Uh, you said that it was the most stressful yeah. one. How come? Why was that? No sane person would plan a large event during COVID. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and That's so it's, true. It's, you know what it is? It's a year and a half with no events. It's a year and a half with no one doing anything. And, and originally, um, Loud Luxury was, was booked for a drive-in event. We're yeah. like, cool. I'm like, like, there's no events. Let's try something out. Like, I got this promoter itch. I've been sitting at home. I've been doing my marketing stuff, which I love. But I'm like, obviously, I miss people. I miss bringing people together. What can we do? We're looking around. What's working? Driving event. Cool. We book it. This is in spring, probably. I booked them for, for, for the fall, right? Okay. Restrictions are easing up, easing up. We're like, okay, cool. We got an event now. They'll let us, they'll give us a permit for like a thousand people, I think it was. And then, but it's seated. Uh, like, cool. Take, we'll take it. Yeah. We'll try it. Yeah. Better than being in a car. We're sitting now. We're sitting in a chair outside. <laughs> yeah, six cool, feet right? apart. Yeah, and no, yeah. not even. Six, we're like now we're sitting outside, like yeah, like okay. the bomber game, right? Yeah. Then all of a sudden, another month passes by. Like, oh, we can now no chairs. Yeah, we can stand. <laughs> we can't dance. You can dance, but there's no dance floor allowed. So oh, yeah, okay. don't get me started on that. That's the <laughs> rule. Okay. Okay. You can dance, but you can't have a dance floor. Okay. Again, I'm like, you know, hey, roll it. So yeah. just like in your box, like whatever. I don't even know. I don't <laughs> okay, even know. Okay. I don't even know. I'm like, you know what? This is what it says. I'm just gonna roll sure, it. Right? Yeah. Doesn't say you can't dance. Doesn't say you don't have. You're not allowed. You don't need a chair, but can't have a dance floor. So I'm like, this is. I'm like, gonna have a sign, yeah. like a big, big we'll sign it. that says this is not a dance floor. And yeah. If you dance, I don't know what to say. Right? That's not. <laughs> so then from there, and then and then a month goes, uh, two weeks, a month goes by again. It's like, hey, now we have no restrictions. Now they you kind of pretty much open. Yeah. And then at a week before the event. Oh, by the way, now there's restrictions. So th- it's just like, you know, now now the crazy thing is we had, there was crazy sales when this event launched. It was expected to be one of the biggest events I've ever done. Yeah. A week before the event, the city or the province released um, new restrictions. And obviously the COVID, is a, it's a fluid thing, right? So we can't can ever predict it and it's nobody's fault. So all of a sudden now there's restrictions in place where gatherings are now from five from 1,500 to 500. So this goes viral, obviously, yeah. right? Everyone's yeah. like, what the heck? This event can be. Oh, is, is there only yeah. 500 people there? Yeah. My inbox is blowing up hundreds of messages, right? So we're like, no, no, no. We have an exemption. We have an exemption. Obviously, sales start coming to a halt. It's really confusing. So it's, it's, it's the whole thing, like I said. And then there's permit delays because people, like, no one's working. You know, before, it's like, it's routine. Yeah. Right? You do an event. You know what the, the system to go through. Mm. So now we think, well, it's routine. We have our routine. But, you know, Cities, permits, you know, liquor commission, everything else. The routines are not new. You know, people work from home. There's new, 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 there's new policies, new rules, which we're not always aware of, right? Yeah. So, we got our permits late. The event was going to be canceled. No one knows this, and the event happens, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's great!" I'm like, "Oh, I'm like, yeah, like yeah, I no. just, I just, it was just unbelievable." It's like, considering all the things that happened, lightning came down on Friday, and it, like, like it, it was lightning Friday, lightning Saturday, rain on Monday. The event yeah. was Sunday. Wow. Uh, you were just thinking it was going to rain. Well, I mean, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. I mean, it's like, this is crazy. And there's, no, there's nothing in the forecast. It comes up. There's no no lightning in the forecast on Friday. Yeah. All of a sudden, there's lightning. We shut down. So now the delay, the setting up the event is delayed, right? Mm-hmm. The LED walls weren't working. The, nothing was working. The, the amp rack, the rain took out one of the amp racks. This is like, these are major, major yeah, problems. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, again, we just kind of just roll with it. And at a certain point, I told my production guy, he was, he was texting me. He's like, I'm done. I'm like, this guy's working with this guy for 20 years. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm done. He's like, what do you mean you're done? He's like, I can't do this, man. This is oh too no. crazy. I'm like, there's so much problems. I'm like, we're going to get through it. 
even if we have half the sound and no video wall, we're still going to do a party. So don't, like, this, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. We have to go through with this. We're already here. People will just have to understand, you know, you're going to do your best. Obviously it comes through. It always works out <laughs> somehow. Video wall worked, the speakers worked, the vent, there was sun, you know what I mean? <laughs> somehow it still worked out. But I mean, it's just, it's just, uh, if you could follow and see what happens all week, day by day, it's actually crazy. It's actually unbelievable what, 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 what we went through, but to pull it off. And then, you know, it's great to see it. And at the end of the day, you see your, your, the, the results of your work, right? I mean, people have a great, people have a great time and that's what it's, what, it's all about, that's what it's all about, right? Hey, yo, we interrupt this episode to bring you today's sponsor, Skillshare. Skillshare is an online community with thousands of classes in design, business, tech, and more. Anyone can join the millions of the members in the community to learn cutting-edge skills, network with peers, and discover new opportunities. If you'd like to support our show and are interested in Skillshare, click the first affiliate link in our description to get your 14-day free trial on us. It's quick, easy, and you can cancel it anytime. Now back to the episode. So what was that feeling wow. like? Everything just kind of worked out. Like, from amps getting destroyed, like, video walls not working, and then, boom. Sun's out, new day, you People know, everything. People start coming. People start yeah, coming. You know, What's that feeling like? Th- to me, I'll be honest with you, the, the feeling of it coming together, I'm kind of numb to the feeling of it coming together. Because yeah. I feel like it, if it does or it doesn't, I've kind of just accepted fate, you know, right. whatever's going to happen. You know, we do your, we do your best. And you, the sucks you want to enjoy the event you put on. You know, it's very seldom I get to enjoy my own events. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so stressful leading up to it. You get there, you're just kind of like relieved that it's happened. You want it to get be over, you know. Yeah. What I mean? But you love the best thing is like everyone has a good time. That's it. You know, you see everyone be like, "Oh my god, we needed this." I can't believe that this felt felt so normal again. Like all those things, like you forget for one day, like what the craziness that is going on right now. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so it's nice to be you know normal again. People you know, at the end of the day is like the city, the province, you know, everyone, the world. They're like you know we want to feel normal. Well, at the end of the day is people getting vaccinated, masks, and everything else. You can forget all all the, the situation if you're there having a good time. You know, you forget everything. You know, so that's kind of like that's what you that's what it's about. You know, that, that's that's the best part of that's the best feeling of doing this. And and I'm sure you have a team as well, right? I have you, an amazing team. Yeah. So course. talk about how the team came about. Are these people you've been with for a long, long time, or do you bring them on for like a certain? Yeah, event? no, the team has been very consistent for the past, I would say, six, seven years. I mean, there's some there's some moving parts. I was a one man army for a long, like in terms of like running the events, but okay. my friends were my team okay. for a long, long time, and I love my friends. And and then and but after a while, I realized like, well, I can't just keep asking my friends to help. This is a job you know yeah. there's a there's like a, i'm picking gum off the floor and i'm yeah. cleaning toilet. like i'm doing a, there's a lot of dirty work that has to be done when you're doing a warehouse party you know what i mean yeah, yeah. and uh i just felt bad getting calling my friends to set up move speakers and this and that so i kind of made the commitment if i'm going to do this i have to i have to re- not stop relying on friends because it's not fair mm-hmm. to make them like work the door and clean up they should have a good time that's the whole point or they've, they've just kind of grown out of it and they, they don't want to do it why put the pressure on them and then the responsibility on them it's not, it's not their job right sure. So um, I started building a team and hiring staff, and and it's it's been great. I mean, I've I've got my my right my basically my event managers have been around with me for the past ten years. So everything I've done, I've always deferred to her. And from there, we built another some other management staff. So there's about core five six of us that will will put together every event. So shifting from that, like, hey, this is just like side passion, right? Passion job. Now you've got a team with you. Now you got management. Like, where where was that shift from? A passion job to an entrepreneur opportunity, like I can actually make some serious money out of it. Yeah, that's that was two thousand seven. You know, that's again, that's it's funny, like the year, literally the year. I've never like put together a resume. I've always been like somewhat like, you know, worked with friends or like had job side jobs, this and that, but I've never 
I had a job where I worked for a corporation, for example, I had needed a resume to apply, right? So 2007, I literally was like, hey, man, I got I to gotta get a resume intact. I'm, I'm just done promoting, can't do it. Mm-hmm. And then Tiesto's team is like, hey, hey we want to come to Winnipeg. I'm like, oh, <laughs> this, is yeah. the, this is a very, at the time, he's the number one DJ in the world. It's a big, big deal for him to come here, right? Sure. So I'm like, okay, so now I got to try this Tiesto show. And then now you have Heineken sitting down with you finally. Red Bull comes to the city. This Red Bull's brand new. They're like, yeah, we'll take 100 tickets. We're going to rent the upstairs part of the convention center. We want to do something really big and invite all the bar managers and restaurant managers. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like, so now we've got corporate money coming in. Tickets are now at the convention center. It's, a, it's, it's official, you know. This yeah. is a, you know, now they've got a big corporate. I got a corporation set up, you know, yeah. and I feel very legit, you know. Um, <laughs> we made it. <laughs> we made it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like this is great, you know what I mean. And, and we actually made money on that event, so it was, yeah. it was nice, you know what I mean. But again, you know, you do you know four or five events, you probably lose money on ha- on 50 percent of them or more, you know. It's, it's so again, yeah. there's no stability, but we definitely feel that there's the potential there, you know. And where we are now is um, with the marketing is more like consulting, you know. Like I think that when it comes to Going into a bar, I'm the guy that's being like, you should change this, do this, do this. Or I can help you with this. Your marketing should be this. Mm-hmm. I'm, I like to kind of help guide things along. And we do a lot of social media marketing and growth. So that's my focus, right? But so nightlife has never been consistent until you own a bar. That that kind of, that transition from 27, 2007, from like doing all these events and all these bars. I'm like, oh, hey, man, I got to own a bar. You know, yeah. Like I got to make in all these bar owners money. I realize I'm sitting there. I'm like, wow, I just lost five grand. I worked a month. <laughs> This bar just made it twenty grand. I'm like, oh, I'm on the wrong side of the, I'm on the wrong side yeah. of this right yeah. now, right? So then I opened a bar, and then from there, that was kind of when things kind of stabilized a little bit. So I thought, you know, what I mean, so the bar opened a bar, Republic, my first club, mm-hmm. was killing it, like thousand people a night, yeah. super busy club. Like you guys were still, you know, in elementary school, so <laughs> I don't think you guys would know which club that is. <laughs> but um, ask anyone older, they would know Republic. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I mean, okay. I've opened probably 10, 12 nightclubs since then, you know, enough for three lifetimes, you know, and I don't want to own any bars again, but I thought that was the end game. I'm like, Hey, this is it. Mm-hmm. I tried throwing shows. It's too risky. Now I'm going to be the bar owner, take less risk. It's even more risk. Now, right? So you got like, you got at one point I had like four or five clubs and clothing store. I, my rent every month was like 80 grand. Mm-hmm. You're like, Oh, but you, but you don't mind it when you're making money. Yeah. But when you start losing money, you realize very quickly what overhead can do. Right. <coughs> wow. I'm just like shocked. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm no, shocked. I mean, I don't know how much you guys know about what, but I mean, I've, I've done a lot of stuff. I've opened, a, I've opened, I think I opened three or four businesses a year. Okay. Yeah, and I, not everyone obviously goes into a big, I'm like, I'll register something or I'll partner with someone, and I'll start something, you know, right. like I said, with my ADHD is uh, to another level, right? But I just like, I just like learning new things, and and there are probably better ways to just watch a YouTube video, you know what I mean, rather than open the business. But I like to, you know, experience it hands-on and see and try it out, right? You're an, you're an entrepreneur at heart. At heart, right? 100%. You know, I lo- and then I think I think the famous, famous my famous last words would be, yeah, Winnipeg needs this. You know, and it's like, oh, like, we should try this. Winnipeg needs this. We should do this. You know what I mean? And, and it's like, does it really need it? You know what I mean? Or do you just want to do it yourself? You know, what is it? It's because, because it's missing in Winnipeg doesn't mean Winnipeg needs it. But that's, yeah. well, that's kind of, of how I've always been. I opened a bubble tea place 20 years ago, you know, before bubble tea was even a thing. Yeah. You know, it caught on probably 10 years ago. So we were so early to the game, <laughs> you know, open up was it? Cause I went to Simon Fraser in Vancouver when I left Winnipeg, when I graduated. So I brought bubble tea back and I did that rave. That's when I was 20, <laughs> right? That was another disaster too. But again, <laughs> I wish I'd done it now, sure. you know, fast forward now, bubble tea is just, uh, everyone's it. buying, it's killing it. Yeah, it's yeah. freaking, there's like, there's like 20, like Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Back then, it was like the most obscure, weirdest yeah. thing. Like, what is yeah. this? What are you doing? You're weird. Like, well, who's yeah. my? But some people that loved it, they they liked it. They loved it, right? But everyone else is like, they they yeah, wouldn't even. Everyday thing now, pretty much. Every, it's a, it's as normal as it gets. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it's crazy. It's, it's actually actually everywhere. Yeah. But we were so far ahead of the game, though. Wow. 
We interrupt this episode to bring you another sponsor. If you've ever considered building a website, you've probably definitely heard of Squarespace. Squarespace is an online website web designer that allows you to create your website from scratch using a wide range of templates. If you want to build an e-commerce site, a small business, Squarespace got it all. Click the affiliate link in our description to start building your website today. You'll be helping out the show and also creating a killer website to flex on your peers. Now back to the episode. I feel like you got to... Okay, you said like, oh yeah, I could just watch like YouTube videos and you know like learn about business. But the thing is, biz like you gotta know like hands-on experience is more key in business. Like that's how you truly learn about business. Hundred percent. I think if you ask any entrepreneur what is best lesson you've ever learned, he's never gonna be like, oh, I read this. I read in this book. This is what I learned. Like ask yeah. any entrepreneur, like what's yeah. your best lesson you ever learned? He'll whatever he says and like, did you actually experience it? It's hundred percent. He felt it. Mm-hmm. He felt the pain of that lesson. Yeah. And that's why it's the best lesson you ever learned. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, well, I read, brought this Instagram video and this guy, this is the best lesson I ever learned. <laughs> yeah. No, n- I, I highly doubt it. Yeah. Because I could rifle off three or four lessons I've learned and they all cut me deep. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let's and, hear it. I, I want to hear these lessons. <laughs> no. Like just, we need face, the wisdom. Facebook we, ads just. <laughs> no, I think, I think, I think the number one thing that my biggest lesson in life would definitely would be not scaling too quickly. A lot of us, a lot of us in any business that we do has always been, um, you know, you want a couple of lessons. We'll, I'll, I'll go into two only that yeah. I would say. One is scaling too quickly is that we always want that office. We want the assistant. We want the, with the car. Mm-hmm. We all want these things. We're like, oh, you know, I'm going to make this money, do this. You know, you got to learn to do it with nothing. You know, you got to learn to do it on your own as much as you can. That's what killed me was, was getting the office, was getting the assistant too early. I, I had two assistants at one point where I didn't even know what they were even doing. I, honestly, I did not look back. I'm like, wow, like what a great job. Like literally yeah. it was just not even never around and they just organized my emails and a couple meetings. And, yeah. but I mean, at the time I thought I really needed it. Cause you, you, you look online, you look in, in, on TV and like, oh, well busy people, they have assistants, they have all these things. But you know, I think pushing yourself and breaking yourself, that's key, you know, as much as you can to know learning your limits. And when you're, when you're young, that's when you have the energy to do it. You know what I mean? Like push yourself as hard as you can, like work as hard as you can. When not, don't try to just find the shortcuts and, 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 and spend costs that you don't need. Yeah. Keep your costs as minimal as possible. Yeah. Uh, if you absolutely need it, you get it, but you have to absolutely need it. You know what I mean? And that's what the, my biggest mistakes. My second mistake was more doing more is not always making more. That's probably the two lessons that I would always look back in time to like teach myself as much as I could. And when I <coughs> went out all these clubs, you know, one of my mentors well, at the time, just my friend, and he's, I consider him a mentor because of the advice he gave. He's like, Steven, you know, this is when everything collapsed and I lost. And now I'm like a million dollars in debt. And he's like, you know, why did you open all these clubs? Why did you open all these restaurants? He's like, he's like well, you had a restaurant. Vieron was one of the busiest, re- best restaurants in the city. Was, was that restaurant making as much money as it could? I'm like, no, no. Why did you open a second one? He's like, well, you, I would want to make more money. I'm like, did you really want to make more money? Is that why? I'm like, because if you want to make more money, you would just make the first restaurant busier because it wasn't that busy yet. It was busy, but it could have been better. Yeah. You had one club that was busy. You opened three more. Is it because you now you realize, like, maybe because it made me now actually think about it, it was indeed more of an ego move. I did it because I wanted to do it. I wanted to just do it, not because I want to make money. That's where we confuse ourselves a lot of times. Like, oh, I want to make money. I'm like, are you doing this to make money? Like, think about it. how does this making you actually making you more money? I had all these clubs. I was well, making less money. I could have just stayed home and not opened them, right? So my, you, know, you learn these things as you get older. You know, I mean, my parents and themselves, they've had, you know, they own jewelry stores. They have one store. They have five stores. You know, same idea. Mom and dad, like, why did you open so many stores? Like, oh, we want, to, we want to make more money. I'm like, Make, we make more money now with one store. You don't realize you stretch your resources. You have all this overhead. You can only put your focus on so many things, right? So that's the, those are the two 
biggest lessons for me to learn, like for, I'll teach my kids and anyone, anyone I talk to, young entrepreneurs, keep these two things in mind for sure. Like these are the lessons that I've learned and I paid dearly, you know, for sure. So, I mean, and you'd be surprised that they're, they're not, they're very simple lessons. They're not actually very complicating, you know what I mean? And, and everyone, but here's the thing. I don't believe anyone actually listen. I think you have to go through it. You have to make the mistakes. So I always recommend make the mistakes as cheap as possible. That is, that is, we agree. We agree. Yeah. Make mistakes. It's okay. Yeah. Cause yeah. you'll learn from them, but make them, you, the mistake you learn from a thousand bucks, 10,000 is almost the same from a hundred thousand. You know what I mean? We just gotta, you just gotta feel it. You know what yeah. I mean? Once you feel it, you learn, you'll learn it. We, we agree with that too. Like uh, the idea of toxic hustle, like, especially when like in our stages right now, we're just like, let's just go, let's just try to make as much as we can or, or like grind as hard as we can. One question I have is many people look from, we have peers as well who look into being like, oh, I can't make it in Winnipeg. Winnipeg's not the city. Winnipeg doesn't have the potential. What do you say to those people? I, I mean, I'm surprised people still say that. I mean, I think, I think there's, there's, there's two sides to that coin. I mean, uh, I used to hate Winnipeg. Okay. I went to high school when I was growing up. I was like, you know, I can't wait to get out of here. Hated it. Mm-hmm. Moved away just to Vancouver. Homesick. Mm-hmm. Came back home. And I, I, I made a commitment to myself. I'm like, I'm not going to be the guy that's just going to complain about Winnipeg. I'm going to try to make a difference. And that's probably one of the driving forces of why I do what I do to this day. Because there's always going to be people being like, oh, Winnipeg sucks. Yeah. But you live here. Like, you know, like, you live here. You're not stuck here. You're mobile. You can leave anywhere. Why are you still here? You're yeah. here because Winnipeg's giving you an opportunity. You can afford the rent here. You have a job here. And you hate it here? Like, there's something yeah. wrong with that, in so my opinion. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, we, we live in a great city with great, great people, the best people. And that's what makes this, makes the city great. And people still complain. They leave. Those people who complain, people that complain about here, they'll complain everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. to me, that's kind of a mindset that you should get out of. And you should appreciate where you're from. You know what I mean? And where, no matter where it is, whether it's here or whether, whatever city, right? But it, cause it, because it's giving you a roof for your, over your head, an opportunity to work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But, um... Yeah, I, I think that people saying that there's no opportunity, it's, it's kind of almost an excuse, you know what I mean? Like, you're making an excuse yeah. for, 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 for not making it work. They're, they're, we obviously are a smaller market, but there's also benefits to that, right? And I think you have to find the right ways to maneuver. You know, it's not this, people, I, I know people that move here, they network very quickly. You go yeah. to Toronto, good luck. You're not going to yeah. network as quick oh, as here. Yeah. You, can, you, can, you, can, you can send a guy a DM and he'll answer you here. You can go and meet someone here. You can go and meet the right people very quickly, very quickly. Whereas in a bigger market, it's very hard to get those doors open, right? Mm-hmm. So, of course, the ceiling is somewhat lower here, but there's a lot of really rich people here. So, I mean, you can't tell them the ceiling's low. Then they, don't, they won't agree with you, right? So, it really depends on what you're doing. I mean, I, I don't think, I think, again, I think it's more of an excuse to say, like, oh, Winnipeg, yeah. this and that. But I find that's more of a personality trait of just complaining more than anything else. I agree. So, so how do you set yourself apart? I mean, like, there's the market for clubs and promotion is so saturated. How do you self your yourself apart in terms of like marketing schemes or the way you market your events that like allows you to see that success in terms of like together again or any other summer of sound events that you've had and whatnot yeah i mean like we just we just try to be as, as unique as possible you know try different angles of marketing every every year like summer of sound we try to hit like a new demographic you know what i mean like we when we were th- four years ago we're like we're gonna try to hit the industry crowd and then we would try to hit like the eight the, the fresh university young university crowd so uh, last year, two years ago, our focus was to get I was to get out of city. So every every year, there's a new target we're trying to grow the de- the grow the market, the summer sound crowd. Let's say by let's say 500 people. So you're gonna try to ex- let people experience new people experience as much as possible, right? So and there's always it's always different things with with nightlife. Is this whatever keeps me not bored? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's just kind of like it's something different, you know. Yeah. So and that's 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 the main thing to keep myself more mentally stimulated. Um, 
I know clubs doing being are that are busy with very little marketing. You know, maybe I think that I I ha- probably overthink what needs to be done just because I'm again I just want to do something really cool, right? Yeah. I, I could I could put the same thing out or I just try something different. And my my mindset's always been like push push the envelope, be unique, stand out. Does it really is it really necessary all the time? Maybe not. You know what I mean? But sometimes we overthink it ourselves. You know, we need to do these things. I got to spend money on this flyer and video. You know, it's more maybe, maybe more for ourselves than anybody else, right? It is obviously there's value in that, but there's also a value in what it, what it, what it costs. You know what I mean? Is it bringing in the returns of what it to justify the, what it actually costs to create, right? But again, I just do it because I enjoy it. I don't really look at it like where does it make sense to make money, right? Yeah. How much are you consuming like new content like as trends or compared to like 20 years ago when you do it the marketing now is completely different yeah and how much are you <coughs> consuming new trends new apps tiktok stuff like that i would say i am slowly falling behind in my old age um for sure i definitely i lean on younger people to kind of push again if we're promoting to 18 22 market mm-hmm. nobody should ever Nobody, like this comes to any marketing company, would ever believe you should know everything. You should you have to defer to the crowd themselves to speak and to understand, to, so you can understand them better, right? You have to listen. Mm-hmm. Like that's, this is any marketing, politics, no matter any business, you know what I mean? You gotta listen to your, your, to your, your market, right? So I don't know TikTok. I know I have, to, I have to get on it. I don't even know how to do it on Instagram. Real, I did my first reel, yeah. you know, like last week. You yeah. know what I mean? So I'm just learning. Um, and that's partially because I'm just kind of stepping away from that. I'm trying to do more into my other business, my other marketing business. And But when it comes to you have to keep up with the trends. Like you have to. If you don't, you get left behind. And people will recognize very quickly you're getting dated, right, if you don't, if you don't yeah. keep up with these things. Of course. But, yeah, my, my, my main strength is always trying to find, you know, the right people that are knowledgeable. And it's to defer to them. You know, I, I, you have to trust people, you know. That's, that's amazing. Any final? Because I know we're running out of time. No, it's all good. Yeah. So – in terms of like marketing nowadays, like do you rely in terms of like, let's say now we're in COVID stages, right? Yeah. Everything's opening semi back up. Um, we don't have restrictions anymore in terms of like, you have to be double vaxxed in order to enjoy life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But how do you, do you rely on word of mouth now or is it just promoted on Instagram or like, yeah, have you know, again, for me, like 20 years ago, it was a, it was, there was message boards, like message groups online that you would go to find events. You put flyers in stores, flyers on windshields. Mm-hmm. It's never going to get any harder than that. Yeah. You know what I mean, so anything, any tool we have now, we still do some of that still to this day, but now, you know, with, well, with, with, with WhatsApp and Instagram chats and like uh, uh, WhatsApp groups, broadcast lists and we do like, you know, there's chat bots for Facebook now that we use and Instagram chat. This is like, this is fancy stuff. There's obviously email lists, simple stuff yeah. like that. There's yeah. websites. We use everything. You have you have to hit everything. Honestly, it's it's it's, it's overwhelming. I'll be honest with you. When it was so simple, it was difficult. Now there's so many tools, and and that's what makes it kind of that's what kind of makes it cool. You know, it's overwhelming, but at the same time, like that's why anyone can do it. Yeah. You know, if you're grinding and hustling and really putting the work in, you can get the word out of anything, right? And it's all it's all about creating hype when it comes to doing events and everything. But um, yeah, no, we have, we do. We do a lot. I mean, there's a list. The, the list is like massive. You know, like the Summer Sound promo checklist, for example. It's a, yeah. you know, it's a it's a hundred items. You know what I mean? Like every radio station, newspaper. You know, be a PR. You got to do a press release. You got to do, you know, talking to different university groups. You know, UW, Red River, U of M. Like there's a lot of we uh, very often can't even go through the list. You know, you just kind of do what you can, right? There's just so many ways to promote and reach out, and yeah. How how do you get in contact with these bigger artists or like bigger DJs? Like, man, you. Ha- Sound of Luxury came on to uh, Loud Luxury. Yeah, that, sorry, yeah, yeah. sorry. <laughs> I keep on mixing that up. Yeah. Loud Luxury came to Summer or sorry, uh, Forever again. Together, <laughs> together again. <laughs>
<laughs> Sorry, no I worries. keep mixing that up. No but worries. yeah, like how do you how do you get in contact with those people and like how do you promote that event for them? Yeah, I mean that's that's actually not the hardest part because eventually once you have a, a some credibility in the city, you kind of they kind of know which promoter they want to work with. You know, what I mean, there's a certain point when you're a smaller artist, you'll have anyone kind of book you because you want to get booked, right? But I mean. I, I brought Drake here for the first time uh, to the Centennial Concert Hall. You guys didn't know that. Holy. Uh, yeah. Yo, yeah, I yeah. wish we had more time. Yeah, <laughs> I wish. Yeah. No, I brought Lady Gaga here to a club, her first gig here in Winnipeg. Yeah. Wow. I brought Rick Ross, J. Cole. I J. Brought, Cole. Yeah. Dude, I'm a big fan <laughs> yeah. of J. Cole. Alan FAO, Big Sean, like a lot. I brought a lot of artists. Yeah, we got. We, we can go ten more minutes deep. You want to talk about artists? You know, yeah. yeah. Let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's yeah, go. Please give us, give us that. <laughs> yeah. So like. Again, so now fast rewind twenty years. We're we're doing just strictly raves. Obviously, I love I love all music. So we started doing some hip hop. I booked LMFAO to like their first big show in Winnipeg, and then uh, we did a tour with them across Canada. Like I was like, oh man, I love these guys. It's so much fun. Yeah. You know I mean, so we like tried everywhere. Brooklyn, to Calgary, brought them to Saskatoon. Uh, Rick Ross, I brought him to Saskatoon, Winnipeg as well. Uh, Drake, I was like a massive fan, massive fan at the time. I remember. One of my best friends' girlfriends like, you gotta listen to this guy. Listen to this tape. Listen to this the mixtape. I'm like, this is cool. Like, I really like this. I'm listening. I'm like, this guy's gonna blow up. Like, I really, I really feel it. Right. So, he, uh, we get his first show in Winnipeg, and uh, we're like, hey, who's doing the after party? So I bought the after party across Canada. So we did Edmonton, Vancouver, Saskatoon. I don't know if it's Saskatoon or not. Winnipeg. So I'm with I'm with these guys flying all these different cities, and I only met him like for half a second, right? But I'm a huge yeah. fan myself. But yeah. at the time, I was a bigger fan then. Sure. Than I am now. Okay. You imagine. So I'm like, I'm like, yo, this, I love your music and that, right? Yeah. And uh, Winnipeg was the fastest selling show sold out in uh, the whole tour. Yeah. We sold out like in five minutes. It's uh, a concert, all right? So it was, it was a crazy show. It was awesome. But again, it's different times. You know, again, I was just, you just love these artists, you know. You, you, back then, I was more of a fanboy than I am now. I'm, now I'm just old and kind of just whatever with everything. But um, yeah, so I did a lot of cool shows back then. Like, But I don't do them anymore. Again, a lot of risk, right? I mean, yeah. like, like hip-hop shows, tons of risk. Uh, the Rick Ross show, I don't remember. Like, most of these shows, I don't remember making any money on any of them. You know what I mean? To tell you the truth. Um, except the Drake show, we made money because it was sold out, right? But yeah. again, it's, it's a high ticket. Um, and it was cool. It's cool to bring in Lady Gaga. And be, yeah. I remember, like, Justin meeting Justin Bieber when he was, like, in high school. You know what I mean? Like, all these different things. And this is this is back in, this again, these are all 15, 20 years ago, right? But I wish I had the whole list of who, who we brought <laughs> in. I don't even remember. But we yeah. brought in a lot of guys to the city. Yeah. What would you say would be, like, the hardest part of, like, everything that you do as far as organizing, marketing, marketing. Like promoting. What was, what was the thing that you really would say that if you're trying to get into this business, this is what you should really focus on? Oh, that's a lot of things. It's a <laughs> lot of angles to it. I mean, a lot of people don't understand that the marketing is everything. Uh, honestly, I think, I think the obviously timing is important. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll tell you one show that I did, Flow Rider. I, I thought, do you guys know Florida is? Yeah, of course. Just want to make sure. Because when I brought him in, you guys were, it was, this was probably 15 years ago. Yeah. Okay? So he had three number one songs back to back to back at this time. Okay. Yeah. It was the biggest flop we ever did. Really? Ever. Wow. Why? Because I learned then that it, being hot doesn't mean you sell tickets. Uh, There's a big difference of an artist, um, you know, like, um, that can just move tickets. And there's a big difference of the artist that has a lot of radio hits. Just because I lis like listening to you on the radio doesn't mean I actually want to see you perform. Yeah. It's a weird thing to understand that those things aren't, don't fully correlate. And I still don't get it to this day. Sure. I couldn't tell you, like, but there are artists that can, like, purely can sell hard tickets. But there are artists that just cannot move any tickets at all. Florida, clearly, well, holy, this is going to get 
for saying this, but <laughs> at that time it was it was a really terrible show. Like we sold fifty tickets. You would never believe that how it's possible. Uh, we were so confident, like wow, we can't believe we got this guy. Number one songs nonstop. You know what I mean? Yeah. Didn't do well at all. Wow. So then I think that and then the day what it comes down to is this timing and 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 marketing. You know, like you have to know how to sell these tickets. You have to know how to push people to go and hype. You know, there's a lot to it. I think it's like it's a trickier thing that people think you know once you start trying it, you realize how difficult it is but you know we've been doing pretty well with it overall i mean it, l- luckily there's more wins than losses i think but mm-hmm. i mean again like it's just, we, we do it as, it's more routine now for us right yeah so last question i know you got to get out of here yep. as fast um this is one of my favorite questions to ask every guest that we have on is any tips for new entrepreneurs that are trying to get into this industry what are some tips that you can provide to them into this industry, like mar- themselves, yeah, like, uh, yeah, my, like even the like industry? marketing industry, the promoting industry, or even ch- general like entrepreneurships from yeah. your past, like your mistakes. I'm gonna provide value. To any them. any value that you can give to them. When it comes to promoting, and I tell this to everybody, is is um, own your crowd, like learn your niche, whatever it may be. What comes it, there's a there's a big strength in anyone, whether you're gonna say you're I'm a hip hop promoter, and you just own that, you just commit to that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I'm a Latino promoter. You know, like I'm I'm gonna do. Chinese events. Sure. If you become that guy, you now have some leverage. You now have some pull. You know, I mean, that's what you want. You want to be able to be at least influence that crowd or understand that crowd. Right. Because it's hard to understand one person. Yeah. Let alone one crowd. Let alone ten crowds. You know what I mean? So for me, it was just EDM crowd. That was the thing that I bled. You know, that was my passion. I felt that I understood the most. So I invest in that's the most. And to this day, that's still what I feel I understand the most. And as you get older, you disconnect. That's what you have to learn. You have to, you have, to have a, a good team to kind of like, you know, bounce ideas off. You know, you want to sit down and talk to people and learn more things, right? Because you can't, not one person can learn everything, right? So, mm. and then I think, and then the, the part of the other, other thing, other advice would be, you know, build a good team, you know, work with people you enjoy working with and find like-minded people to kind of push you along. And there's days you're not going to want to get out of bed and you want them to push you and find people that believe in you and then, that will kind of drag you when you up, up when you when you need it the most, right? So, I think those if you have those two things, you, you think you'll, be, you'll do all right. Uh, on wow. that note, I think this is the best way to end <laughs> off the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to our podcast. We're back on YouTube now, so click that subscribe button. We're live every <laughs> Tuesdays at eleven thirty a.m. on UMF One Radio Station One Hundred One Point Five FM. We're also on all streaming platforms. So check out Steven. Everything's in the description. And until next time. We'll get him back on for sure. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming on. We're done. That's it.